be realistic with yourself and kind of set those goals and prepare ahead of time. What are you going to do? Like before I go to work uh, in the day, I pack my bag for the gym. It's already ready. I pack it the night before. There's nothing in the way. Yeah. There's nothing going to be in the way of me going to the gym. Stuff happens, emergency happens and all that, but it's just the will to do it. I think that's really what it comes down to. And sometimes people kind of expect an aha moment or like, you know, you had that moment walking up the stairs. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen with everybody. You know, sometimes you just have to make the decision versus a feeling go with a logical decision. I'm going to better myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to it. And there's nothing that's going to stop. What is going on, guys? Dr. Jared Nelson in the house, the Better Man podcast, where we can never be perfect, but we can always be better. Today, we have a very special guest with us today, Kevin Garnett. What's going on, dude? What's up, man? Yeah, not to confuse with the Celtics Kevin Garnett, but the more famous one. Right. 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 I am the more famous. I'm Got a, a lot- Hall of Famer in my book. Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer. I believe it. Got a lot <laughs> of stuff to talk about, man. Uh, so here's the pitch that I do. You're in the gym. You're next to a guy. He's on a machine. And y'all start chatting it up. And he's like, uh, what do you do? What do you do for work? Um, so kind of start off with that, man. What do you do? Go along with it. I'm asking where he works at, man. I don't see anybody. I, li- I live at my job, it feels like. Um, yeah. I feel like I see people at my job more than I do my family. I feel like we, a lot of people can say that, but you know, if he, we, I work at a, I work at Honda, it's a manufacturing plant. Um, there's 6,000, I think people that work there. That's so some people come up and they'll say, you know, do you know Joe Smith? And I was like, I have no idea. You know, it's one of those things where it, but there's so many people who work there. Right. Um, but you know, but if they, if they work there or not, um, if they do work there, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, start a conversation then we're going to, I'm going to find out where they work. Um, and then I'll try to go out there and, and see them and try to build some relationships. Cool. That's tough. So Honda, you talked about this, you work at Honda, kind of dive into that. What do you do? Uh, how's it going for you, man? Uh, I work in associate relations. So basically it's a part of the HR, I guess you can say HR place. Um, but it's, uh, I do investigations. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of got that from, from my father. Um, he was FBI. He did all that stuff. You know, I learned from him. I kind of will go that route. Um, I feel like that role found me than me finding it though. You know, I started out in what was contract services, did some traveling, did some, you know, basically, um, service provider stuff, um, worked with purchasing department a little bit, but, uh, I wanted to do this because I needed to, I feel like this. Well, it's one of those jobs that just people need to know if mm-hmm. you go on that if you go on the HR route. But um do investigations. I get some uh you get some high school drama. I assume here it's pretty pretty interesting from you time get some, to time. But yeah, you get some juicy you get some juicy cases every once in a while. Cool, man. Well that's great that you do that. Uh how long have you been to Honda? How long have you been working there, man? Uh ten years. Ten years. Ten long That's a long years. time, I would say, from people now. People job hop, man. Man, every, I think what is it, every five years people jump and they go somewhere on else. On average, something I like that. I think it is. Don't know that exact statistic, but it's probably pretty pretty close. I think it's close. I don't know. Cool. Well, you talked about your dad being the FBI. Yep. So let's kind of dive into that a little bit. How is it being uh an FBI uh dad's son? And what was that whole experience like for you? Um so it was one, I guess the only way I can ex- explain it is just, it was, it was strict, you know, it was strict. Uh, dad expected, I have a, I have a brother, I got a sister. Um, 
I'm the youngest of three. So really it was just me, you know, because I, so you can say I'm an only child. Basically my sister went to college when I was six. Um, so it was just me. Um, yeah, it was strict. I feel like eyes were on me everywhere because he knew everybody. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's a couple of funny stories about it, but I'll tell you one, but there was one, I got stopped by a police officer and I told, um, I was with my girlfriend at the time at the time and her friend. And I said, I got to go home. Mm-hmm. I got to get home. Dad's mm-hmm. going to kill me. Yeah. He, he's going to know. <laughs> uh, and they're both like, Hey, chill, you know, it's fine. Um, you good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but he's, they said, Hey, look, just chill. You're good. And I was like, no, you don't understand. I got to go. He's going to know I got to go home. So drove them back to their house. They got out of the car. I stayed in the driver's seat. I'm heading home. They're like, where are you going? I was like, I got to go. They're mm-hmm. like, just come inside. It's fine. As soon as they said that, my phone rings, my dad, get your butt home. We we're going to talk. And he was like, man, you thought I had just like committed murder or something. It was awful. I, yeah. I got going. The dad's got a study. It's his library. He's got this huge room with books everywhere. And, you know, it's got the seat where mom sat and where dad sat. And then there was a chair where the troublemaker sat. Ah, so it was our family discussion. Intervention. Room. Family discussion intervention. room, man. Yeah. That was the worst. So, uh, yeah, I got that one for a little bit, but that, that's, that's just kind of like how life was. It was, yeah. Yeah. My dad, I've explained a couple of times he was a military. Uh, my granddad served in world war two. So growing up in that kind of environment, that's the way it was. It's structured. You do the right thing. If you don't do the right thing, there's punishment for that. Um, want to talk about this. My dad though, with kids, um, trust is different. I think every kid is different with me. I don't know how late you got to stay out if you had a curfew or whatever. And not when I just turned 16, but I, when I was like 17 and stuff, I'd get home at 2 a.m. Yeah. Didn't matter. My dad was just like, close the door and lock it when you come in. Now, I didn't, I wasn't doing anything in high school. He knew that. Uh, but I think every kid is different. You can't do that with every child, I feel like. No. But I think he had trust in me. He knew that I wasn't going to do anything like that. Yeah. Uh, but have many stories, man. Heart sank into my sink out of my chest man uh getting in trouble and stuff like you know what was coming for sure yeah you know there was those nights where i'd come home and he knew i mean i I played ball i went home yeah that's what i did right and i didn't i wasn't i wasn't seeking too much trouble you know once i got to about 17 18 i'd say a little bit later um but you know there were times where i'd come home and i'm thinking okay it's late they're both they're both asleep Mm. i can i'm gonna sneak up to my room and Uh. i i come up the steps from the basement and then like in the chair in the corner with a light above him a little bit is like where you been like it's like oh, movie. oh my god <laughs> where you been man that is oh gosh dude. that's awesome well cool man we're gonna talk more about uh parents and stuff like that dad being the fbi that is really cool yeah let's go ahead and talk about fitness man so uh tell some stories about us now you know i remember we were both pretty pretty heavy in middle school high school stuff like that yeah i went through a lot of transformations body transformation kind of stuff i did in high school uh so tell me more about your your uh journey kind of fitness journey and kind of start with that i well i've always been heavy man from from elementary school up middle school high school i've just been heavy it's just there's no denying that um i think high school my senior year um i was pushing 290 I was close to 300 pounds and no. I was like, what in the world, man? Them taquitos at high school and the Crispitos. The Crispitos and whatnot, yes. man. Oh my gosh. Blow them up on my plate. Now they're gone. Um, but yeah, I just, I, high school was a dark time, you know, just, I was 
you know, wasn't the best looking guy, didn't have the girls, didn't, you know, I just, I just didn't. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of baby weight and, um, you know, there was a lot of kids. I mean, kids are, kids are mean. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, go to go through school and go through high school, man, kids are freaking mean. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and once you get older, they just say things that just, you know, I, I didn't show my emotions to it, but God, man, sure. sometimes it just, it tore me up. Well, and, they cut, they'll cut deep, man. They do, but it got to yeah. a point where I just got tired of it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to show them. Yeah. I'm going to show them. And I, um, I worked out hard. You know, I did go through a really dark time though. I had some, I went through some, some bad, just bad disorders. Um, and I, I had, you know, you talk about anorexia and, and bulimia and things like that. And it's, it's a struggle and mm -hmm. it's a struggle. And, but you know, I got to a point where I'd, I'd gotten past that point, you know, where I was, I felt like I was, I needed to get healthy. I needed to put some weight on. I needed to stop. I ran every day. You know, I dropped, I think I dropped a hundred pounds in, in a matter of three, four months. Oh, wow. And, um, so it's just, I mean, my face looked like it was just sinking in, you know? Yeah. So, um, but and I got, too, when you're so heavy, just such a difference. It probably it like, it looks even yeah. more prominent. I looked like a skeleton. It was yeah. like, and, and, and it just, it happened so fast. Um, but I remember one day I was like, you know what? It's, um, I can't keep doing this. I'm going to, something's, I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself. Right. Um, you know, I, it's just so unhealthy. So I decided, you know, I'm, I'm going to start eating, me eat clean. Uh, and that's kind of when I got into the gym of working out. I actually had a gold's gym workout set in my basement. Oh, wow. And I just, I was down there every day. I'd get on the treadmill, I'd do my miles, but then I'd start lifting and I'd do it every single night just until I get a little bit of size on me. Mm -hmm. Um, and then from there, I just went to the gym and, uh, did that for a couple of years and then it just tanked again. You know, so I've gone through this weight journey like twice already. I like, were at my heaviest. I hit, oh. hit 290, dropped to 190. And then in a matter of a couple of years, I'd go up to 275 again. And then I'd drop down to 220. Mm -hmm. You know, kind of, kind of a roller coaster. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, one thing I can say is the gym has helped me so much. You know, I put on some size. I put on, you know, I, there for a little bit, I was, I was at a size that I, I loved. But, yeah. It's so hard to maintain it. It is. So hard it is. Consistency is key and life gets in the way and stuff like that. So you mentioned that you did it twice. You dropped weight twice. What was that like going up and weight again? What was that journey like having to come back down again? What were the emotions there? How did all that go? Uh, it was depressing, but it was um, challenging. Mm -hmm. You know, my I think my, my aha moment was... Um, I was at Honda and I go through the turnstiles, I scan in, I'm 275, close to 280 or something like that. And, um, I walk up the steps, a lot of stairs, man. I was running miles at one point in my life, you know, do 5k and we can do 10k. And that was every single week. Yeah. And here I am walking up the steps at my job and I get to the very top and I'm, I was like, okay, that's it. You know, I go to Honda. And they got these, this food, the cafeteria, you got Japanese and Chinese food. You can go get some, you know, the grill and pizza. Uh, yeah. And I'm doing that every day. And it's finally like, I was like, I can't do this. It sneaks up on you for I'm sure. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a heart attack if I'm doing this. Mm -hmm. So, um, from that point on, I just started meal prepping. I started taking uh, calorie deficits, going to the gym and trying to try to stay as fit as can. I bought a, I bought a, a weight rack for the house and. A lot of weights I found on, I think it was Marketplace mm -hmm. and just, hey, 
just keep racking it up dude on facebook marketplace people are just throwing stuff away i mean, I mean I you bought, can build a whole home gym not that expensive yes I, feel. I think i had i had a gym i had about 700 pounds of weight you know three two or three olympic bars and i you know i found a nice welded uh hex bar or you know for your farmer's carries yeah. i think i got that for 30 bucks yeah the guy made it it was perfect you know and i had a nice setup it was great mm-hmm. so i use that every day um and I got stronger. I did. I lost the weight again and kept it off for a few years. But, you know, it's always a challenge. It's now, always going to sneak up. You did mention about that the second time. How old were you during the second time when you lost weight? I think it was around the first time. I think it was when around I had Cooper, my son. Okay. Um, he was born in 2014. So I was around 24, 25. Yeah. When, uh, yeah, I think a lot of men go through that where you know you're fit and then you kind of slack off and it's like i don't have time i don't have resources i don't have the ability to do that so kind of what would you say to those people how did you uh, approach that what was your mindset going into that how do you overcome that uh going back into fitness after you've kind of fell off the wagon so to speak you just gotta mentally prepare yourself and just try to you gotta you gotta set your time you gotta um manage your time wisely you know make time for it you know you don't have to go for an hour and a half two hours to the gym it's not like that right but you know 15 20 minutes 30 minutes here do something as long as you do something you know so i think it's consistency you know a lot of people it's it's tough uh it's tough with time once you get a job yeah. you, you work you're in school you got kids it's, it's time i think is the biggest factor you want time to yourself too you want to chill a little bit yeah. and then time just runs out i know people that get up at four in the morning that ain't gonna be me that'll I try never that, be me man. i try no. that. my parents call me they, they call me every day and they're like come to spin class with me what time is it it's 4 30 in the morning I was uh, like, no man uh, <laughs> i'm good no i can't do it i've you know i've even you know, I've tried it too, even when I was younger. When I would get up early at eight o'clock and go run before yeah. it got hot, that was eight o'clock. I yeah. ain't getting up at five o'clock in the morning. Uh-uh. No, that's just not me. So I think understand yourself, be realistic with yourself, and kind of set those goals and prepare ahead of time. What are you going to do? You like before I go to work uh, in the day, I pack my bag for the gym. It's already ready. I pack yeah. it the night before. There's nothing in the way. Yeah. You know, there's nothing going to be in the way of me going to the gym. Stuff happens, emergency happens and all that, but it's just the will to do it. I think that's really what it comes down to. And sometimes people kind of expect an aha moment or like, you know, you had that moment walking up the stairs. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen with everybody. You know, sometimes you just have to make the decision versus a feeling, go with a logical decision. I'm going to better myself. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this and I'm going to commit to it. And there's nothing that's going to stop me. Eventually, I think that's what you have to do sometimes. Yeah, it is. And it's tough. You know, uh, these people who go in there for four hours a time, it's like, four hours in the gym today i was like man you just gotta make time for it yeah <laughs> that's that's all it, it but everybody has 45 minutes i feel like you can squeeze I think, it i think 40 30 45 minutes is a good time yeah it you is know? especially three or four days a week you can do it you know uh, ch- gyms have daycares if you got kids it's possible but i think stuff that we kind of want to avoid stuff we really don't want to do we make excuses for it that's with anything in life and i think fitness is is no exception to that rule you know there has been here lately has been to, you know, my son plays football. We go from, you know, I go to work from 7, 7.30 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. Football is 5.30 to almost 7.30, 8 o'clock. You know, yeah. and it's like, what do I do now? You know, how, how do I do this? So, I mean, there's times where, you know, if you feel like you're not, you don't, you can't do it. Sometimes you should do it. Yeah. You know, I, I, there's been times where, I, you know, I get done at 7.30. That's like, I'm so tired. And then I take, you know, I get my pre-workout. 
which is kind of late for pre-workout. But it I is. Do. That's but a I, lot of caffeine. Lately. But man, you know, you gotta but, do what you gotta but do. I got to do it. So what I, I go to the gym, I sit in the parking lot, I take it. And it's like, do I really want to do this? Do I really want to go in? I don't think I'm going to, yeah. you know, and it's like, I'm going to go home. It's like, no, I'm not. So, but when I finally get in the gym though, and I start working out and start getting in the groove, I start waking up a little bit. And, yeah. and I think that happens, you know, but man, you just got, you just got to push. It's a mental should, grind is all it is. You just got to do it. James Clear, Atomic Habits. You read the book? I have not. It's a good one. I don't, it's not up here, but I think, I, I think I let somebody borrow it. I don't have it up, but I don't want to put it up here. I'll put that in the description below. Great book. And it talks about in that book how to create habits, cut out as many layers of barriers that prevents you from doing that. Like you said, you got to the gym, you got in the parking lot, you took your pre-workout and then your mind is like, I can't, I can't, I can't do it today. You're already at the gym. You're in the parking lot. You took your pre-workout. There's not a lot of barriers. All you got to do is walk to the door and you're in That's there. It. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, people that don't set up their life and structure in that way, it's going to be a lot harder. You have to create those habits by just eliminating all those barriers there in front of it. That's a good point that what you do yep, there. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Well, the gym is a big part. Uh, I didn't really explain my story. So my fitness journey, I've talked about before on the podcast, I was 15, pretty overweight, Call of Duty and uh, cheese dip, bro. Just eating that. <laughs> yes, sir. About, two, about 280, uh, no muscle whatsoever. Um. And I was in health class. Coach Bone, your baseball coach. My baseball coach. We did go to high school together. I don't even know if we established that at the beginning. I said that. but I don't think so. But we were in uh, high school 2008. together. Yeah, I was t- 2010. So yeah, okay. a little, little bit different. Um, but yeah, Coach Bone in health class uh, started talking about health, nutrition, really got interested in that. And I don't know exactly what he said to me. It's something just kind of flipped the switch in my mind. Like I have to change my mindset. I have to change my way of thinking. I got really interested. It had drumline guys. Cody Freeman, Hunter Herring, shout out Southside Drumline class of 2009. <laughs> uh, had those guys, uh, you know, working out, looking fit, getting the ladies. And I'm like, man, I got, I got to change my life. I want to be like them. I admired them. I was like, I want to change my life and be like them. And it just took off from there. It just became a lifestyle and a passion for me. Cody Freeman. Yeah. I, you know, I remember his videos he used to post of him doing like the muscle ups and all that yeah it's like well i think he posted to his instagram yeah but dude he's cody freeman man he's he's a specimen he's a beast he's a beast he he's is, a beast man. big shout out big shout out coach bone you going with some gashers man yeah coach <laughs> bone man thank you i don't know and i don't know if he did it out of spite like trying to call me fat or whatever but <laughs> seriously whatever you did man it helped seriously and sometimes and, and that goes to it's motivation when I talked about my dad knew who I was, you know, like allowing me to be out late, stuff like that. Um, everybody takes criticism differently. Some people, you can be really hard on them and they just take off. Yeah. Some people, if you're, it, it'll crush them. You can't treat everybody the same. And maybe he knew that. Maybe he assessed that about me. Maybe he's like, I can, this guy can change. This guy can be better. I see this potential in him. If I put this, plant this seed here, mm-hmm. you know, he can grow into something great. Maybe that's what he assessed. Either way, thank you, man. It worked. Thank you, Coach. <laughs> uh, fitness, man, a big part of our lives. Love it. Uh, so school and sports, we talked about just a second ago. Um, mm-hmm. you, you were in sports. I was in band. I did drumline, sixth grade to senior year, class of 2010. Now, you were in a lot of sports. So kind of dive into the sports you played, how that shaped you. What was that experience like at Southside High? Southside High, I played all three, man. I was football, baseball, basketball. Man. Uh, I didn't start football until, until middle school, you know, and I think that's a good time for kids. 
I agree. Um, I agree. You know, especially now. I know. I know why I didn't start to middle school. You know, we went to a lot of Bama games, um, but I did all three. Um, hated basketball. Hated basketball. I did. Mm. I played it just because I'd rather play a pickup game. Honestly, you, you hated it because of the because of what the running or just didn't care for the I sport. I just didn't care for like the. I just didn't care for it as wow. much. Um, I actually wanted to quit so many so many times, but my dad just never let me. He never let me quit. Um, baseball was my thing. Football was my thing. I love football. Baseball was, I think, my sport though. Um, you know, I went to, I got a a, a few offers. Um, out of high school, uh, but I stayed close. I went to Gadsden State. Um. So yeah, I mean, I loved it. I loved. Where sports. were the offers at, and what schools were the offers from? Uh, I had one from UAH. Oh wow, I had one from UAH. Um, and then Gadsden State offered, and I want to say UNA. Maybe not. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I think it was UNA, North yeah. Alabama. Okay. But UAH was the one that I was that that really focused. I think you. I think UNA was just like a quick deal. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing big. But UAH. Um. And then Gadsden State was the one. Yeah, um, what sport was that? Baseball. Okay. I didn't do a lot of showcases. You yeah. know, it's nothing. It was nothing like it is now. You know, yeah. Travel ball was was there kind of, but not like it is now. You yeah. Know, now it's like, God, it's all, big, man. That's all you do is travel. It's big. So that experience uh, choosing Gadsden State over other uh, places to go. What was that experience like? What factored into that decision that you made? Um, I think what factored mostly um not gonna say it was for a girl but mm-hmm. it may have been a little Uh-oh. bit but <laughs> no man it's not really the big thing the big thing was this my sister was in college my dad had to pay for her school okay she went to alabama she was a drum major there at the university of alabama she was she was in the band um she she came back and did stuff with the band when i was there i don't know if you knew that yeah I yeah. Did, yeah 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 with, with murphy and all yeah that. i think she had a nickname oh really <laughs> yeah i think it was lucy Oh, I think it was. I, I don't think, even I don't, remember. I, See, I never really talked to her much. I was drumline is kind of its own thing, and we okay. kind of did our thing. Yeah, and she was mainly with the rest of the band. That kind of thing. She's yeah. tough, man. She is. Yeah, but no, I really the, the the big reason why I went to Gadsden State was I had two free years of school, two free years of school. Um, I wanted to help my dad out. It was yeah. free school. It was free baseball. It was mm-hmm. you know living at home. It was you know I so I I don't have to go off and do you know live I. Two years of that, a free paid school. I'll, mm. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. They because they gave me so much. You know, they, right. I mean, they did everything for me. So that experience going to Gadsden State. I went to Gadsden State for two years. Also, mm-hmm. do you feel like you missed out on college experience doing that? Because Gadsden State, if people don't know, is a community college. Yeah. So it was a smaller college located kind of where we're from. Uh, it was 10 minute, 15 minute drive for where we live, you yeah, know, and, and a lot cheaper and stuff like that. But do you feel like that experience kind of, you missed out on college? I feel like I didn't. I never really wanted the college experience, honestly. Though. I didn't, you know, I didn't do the college experience. I think I got the college experience when I went to Jacksonville State. Okay. You know, I had the college experience. It's good. You know, it's a fun time, whatever. But yeah. like, it's nothing nothing crazy yeah. you know i mean I, it's not a lifestyle it's just mm-hmm. a phase that you go through really right uh, yeah, but no, gr- I, don't, I don't think i did i don't think i went through yeah yeah it's a growing up thing and i think it's good for some people to experience that um if you want to do it it just never was a desire for me uh i don't know why just never having that like 
Um, I just never had the desire for that that deep college experience of like waking up hungover and stuff like that. It just never was a thing for me. I yeah. just never, I just wanted to play my video games. <laughs> we did a lot of that. I think yeah. uh, that didn't happen until Jacksonville. Um, yeah. you know, but that like I said, once I got done with that with that phase, it was like yeah. okay, <laughs> right. that's enough. Right. You know, Gadsden State. You know, I went and played ball. I went to work, man. I went. It was a boring, boring two years at Gadsden State. Mm-hmm. Go play ball, go to work, go home, repeat. That's what you I know? pretty much did too. Worked at Blockbuster Video. I don't Ooh, know if you knew. I, man, yes, free games, free movies. Yes, like dude, it was for me the best job ever. I worked there from eighteen to twenty years old. Then that when was, I started nursing school, I didn't work at all. I was like, I that no was life. the place to go, man. I I see those things on TikTok every once in a while where it kind of goes back to yeah, like the nineties, man, in nineties and two thousands. Mm-hmm. incredible man yeah even just the atmosphere like a blockbuster getting that game holding it before you got home and like man i get to go home with it man man memories i'll never forget it is good stuff memories i will never forget uh so school and sports you have two children i do uh two youngins we kind of touched on that a little bit so kind of dive into your kids what that's been like being a father i do i have two kids um i've got cooper i've got millie mm-hmm. um they are my world. Uh, everything. Once you become a parent, man, everything stops. Yeah. You have no life. Yeah. You know, I used to go golfing. I used to do this stuff. I used to go out and have fun and all this. But once you have kids, no more. But you know, though, I wouldn't change it for a war. I wouldn't change it. I love yeah. it. You know, Millie is Millie's about to be seven. Yeah. She is a performer. She's a cheerleader. She loves to sing, dance. She loves all that stuff. She likes to dressed up and do all these things and i love it you know she's a mini me you know we have the fun cooper's a kind of he's kind of laid back he's mm-hmm. a little reserved mm-hmm. um smart as a whip uh he plays baseball basketball and football um you know not a super aggressive kid but yeah. you know that's fine he may he, develop with time who knows it'll, it'll, it'll grow girls mature faster than guys they usually do. how it goes well, it'll grow now so how old are your children nine and six so the girl is nine six. the girl is six yep. and he's girl's, the cooper's nine okay cooper's nine, cool yep. cool awesome man so what has fatherhood been like you said you know you live life you, you balled out golfing all that stuff uh you said you wouldn't trade it for the world do you miss that life do you feel like this is a phase of your life you really enjoy being there for your children more and that's kind of something you might get into when your kids get older or was it like i can't say i can't lie i mean i think anybody will say you know i kind of miss the freedom sure. of, of being you know just me and going out but you know once you get involved you you really see like you kind of adapt to what your kids are doing yeah and you really get sucked in to you know what they're doing you know mm-hmm. like I coach cooper's football team you know i'm i'm out there i see millie cheering but it's like you're you are de- devoted to what they're doing mm-hmm. um and i love it i love it you know i play Fortnite with cooper yeah you know, he loves he's getting to where he can game a little bit and he loves wants Fortnite. to be a streamer he wants to be a streamer and and you are he he tells me every time <laughs> he's like jared's on <laughs> I was like, can we stream tonight? I was like, man, I don't know if he's doing that tonight. But That's he's hilarious. like, oh, come on. <laughs> Isn't that so funny that that you, even without knowing like what you do impacts kids, man? That's crazy. He loves it, man. But yeah, yeah, I do stream a little bit on the side on this YouTube channel. Just my very minor stuff just for fun. But yeah, but yeah, played with Cooper, actually. He's actually pretty good. Yeah, he did. He, he got give him a shout out, too. But you know, they say paying for your raising. And, uh, and it's true. I'll say it's true. You know, paying you, for your raising. You get, you get, you know, whatever I went through with my kids. Sorry, mom and dad. I know it was tough. You know, I, I 
I've been through a lot of stuff with the, the sports and they, you know, leaving work early and yeah. having to, you know, forget my bag and mom has to leave work to bring my stuff to me. It's like, Hey, you know, I forgot this. I forgot that, you know, that happens. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a life that you choose. And, um, but you know, when you see them having fun and they grow up in a fact and, in, in a snap, man, it's, I, you know, I think my, my mom, she, and she probably says she wouldn't trade it for the world either, but same thing happened, man. We had these wristbands and drumline where it held up our, cause like in, in band, you wear these things and they kind of go over your hands, but in drumline, we have to have our hands free cause we're drumming. Yep. So we have these armbands and it kind of holds it up. We had to have Under Armour, but I had Nike. We swapped for that game. So my mom, same thing. Like she had to go to Hibbit Sports, go in there, get the exact ones, came back. And, you know, that's just what you do for kids, man. Yep. I, I look forward to that. I don't have kids myself, but I look forward to that, man. I, I feel like I'm ready for that. I'm 31. I'm ready. Yeah. You know, I, I had, I was 20. See, Cooper was 20, 2014. I was 24. Yeah. 24 years old when I had Cooper. I was young. You know, I didn't. I didn't get to live that married life, you know, we yeah. got, got married in 2013 had Cooper in 2014, never really got to experience just that married life. Um, but you know, it had, you know, had Cooper and then Millie came a couple of years later and got the best of both worlds. So, I mean, it's, it's been fantastic. It right. really has. I love, awesome. I love being a dad. I do. Yeah. I'll try to be that cool dad, you know, yeah. but, you know, you get to a point now where they get old and they're like, Mm, you kind of embarrassing me, and I was like, Man, "We we hitting that now? <laughs> good, good. That's are what we hitting you that level now? I think we are. That's hilarious. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, looking forward to that myself. I know that's that surprise, man. Yeah. You'd be a good, Dad. Uh, so parents, we're gonna go back to your parents a little bit. Dad was in FBI. We talked about that earlier, yeah. but you are a Christian. I right? am. Yeah. Um, I am as well. We we actually grew up in church together, Southside Baptist. Yep. Grew up in church youth group together, uh, a decent amount, stuff like that. But being in a Christian household, um, I think is a blessing. I think it's something. Uh, it can be problematic, I think, in some instances, if mm-hmm. it's overbearing and stuff like that. My experience was great. I think my parents giving me, uh, being a role model, you know, being yeah. an image of what a godly person should be. What was your experience like growing up in a Christian household? How was all that uh, for you? We went to, you know, we didn't go to church on Wednesday nights, but we went to, you know, Sunday we were there every every Sunday. Well, it's all about attendance. It's all about attendance, man. <laughs> all about it. And Baptist it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. But it, it's, I don't know, you know, dad wasn't the one that, you know, or, you know, you said the man is the, is the leader of the house and dad was absolutely 1000% the leader of yeah. the home, of the household. Um, but mom was, was the one that kind of, now I wouldn't say pushed it on us, but you know, she was the one that made sure that we, you know, we're involved and we, we went and, you know, you, you do have to have to some point, you have to have somebody who, who can hold that together. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, it was good. You made a, a lot of people grew up with a lot of people made good relationships, you know, especially those that I, that I know, you know, to this day, um, you know, disciple now was a huge thing, right? And, you know, that was a big thing then. Um, disciple now to explain kind of a weekend getaway for youth, pretty much go hang out with everybody in your class, yeah, uh, build up relationships, get closer to God, that kind of thing, yeah, yeah, cool. yeah, just so, to get away, just yeah. to get away. Um, but you know, it just when you get older, you hit a point where you know it's like you've got to be the one to maintain. That's right. Going in it, it's 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 a it's a tough thing. It's a tough thing, and you you know you find yourself going through situations, and and I think you I think you mentioned just a second ago. Don't don't 
push it too much. Right. I think pushing it too much can actually do the opposite. It can. You know? Well, and, we, I think you probably know many stories. We went to school with people, I did, that were, were in Christian households, and now they almost... Um, completely different. Completely different. It's like they're sheltered. They rebelled it, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. Um, it can be. I think it's human nature. When you over push something in the workplace, when they try to make changes that are extreme, people are like, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, it, that's with anything in life, I think. And you have to understand human nature in that way. When you try to overdo something, people are going to resist that. Yeah. yeah you, you do. If you push it too much, you're right. They're going to resist it. And, I, and I, I hate to say that, but it's it's just... It's just part of it, and and I feel like you know, there's I'm not gonna lie, there's been plenty of times in my life that's happened, you yeah. know, where you know it's like you need to go to church, you got to be in church, you know, do this this, and it's like, you know, my God bless my grandmother, she's just she's one of those where she she'll send the text message, and it's like uh, you feel guilty about <laughs> yourself, and it's like you know doing this it just doesn't it doesn't help, right? You know, you need encouragement, you need you know. Don't don't tell me I'm. I don't want to feel like I'm doing something wrong. That's it. You know, and that's, that's kind of what's happened. Because God is love. I think He wants us to draw closer to Him, attend church. Um, you know, but even Jesus left the church to go disciple the people. You know, for three, yeah, for thirty to thirty three or whatever. Um, you know, He wasn't in the church constantly. Now, when He was growing up, He was constantly. But then He went out into the world and all that. Um, going to church on Sunday is important. Wednesday, you know, ministering with people and all that. But I think especially in some areas of the Christian community, attendance and stuff is just so focused on versus the actual relationship with Christ, yeah. which is what God has called us to do. We don't worship a building. We go in a building to worship God in mm-hmm. Christ. And I think that's a big distinction that we need to have with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. But uh, so growing up in a Christian household uh, for you is pretty good. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good. Mm-hmm. My family, I have a good family, good yeah. Christian family. Um, now you have kids, it's important. Right. You, know, you try to make sure that they are, you know, going on the right path too. Well, it's you like know. you said, it, pa- almost passing the baton. I'll use that. It is analogy. Uh, it is. Now it's up to us. You know, our parents raised us. When you're 18, you make your own decisions. Uh, and now the baton has passed to us. I know in my life too. I think it was kind of after college, even in college. Uh, I, I needed my faith in nursing school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I needed yeah. it 100%. Yeah. Uh, but then you start working, life gets busy, and church kind of gets on the back burner. And I think a lot of people kind of experience that. Um, anything you would say to kind of mitigate that, to help that or anything, any mm-hmm. experiences that you've had where, you know, f- your faith has kind of been on the back burner and you kind of, you know, came to light and had a revelation, like, I need to get back on this. You know, I need to uh, renew my relationship with Christ and keep this going. That's happened. I can't tell you how many times it's happened. I mean, it's a lot. And yeah. I think that, I think anybody, I think everybody goes through something like that. You know, many times you're yeah. going to have struggles, right? And so, yeah, you feel like your back's in a corner. You can't turn anywhere, but the only place you can turn is to God. That's, that's really it. And, mm-hmm. and I hate that I've done this because I've done it so many times, but there are times where I feel like I'm only going to him when I have a problem. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and it's, and it's so, it's so difficult. You know, you fall from the path a little bit and you, you just you surround yourself with good people, surround yourself with, you know, with people your age, Christians who can, who can build you, you know, you need that support system. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, there, there's been plenty of times where I'm like, Oh man, I, I have nothing. Like yeah. I'm at rock bottom right now. Yeah. You well, know? I think, you know, 
we're we're predestined. God knows what we're going to do, you know, before we even do it and all that. Yeah. Um, and we we have trials. We have things that we go through. We get backslidden. We do different things. Um, but God's always there. And I think we we go through things, and sometimes we do kind of draw away from God. But I don't think when you do draw away that He's like, oh, now you want to talk to me. Yeah. I don't think God has that heart. You know, uh, I God think he's has, accepting. He is. He has now. He wants to be in communion with you all the time. Yeah. But you know, um, what what is the story of the two brothers? One was always good and all that. Then one went. Got off, did all this other stuff, and spent all of his dad's money. Then he came back, and his dad accepted him back. Mm-hmm. You know, in the house. Yep. I can't even remember the names of the story for some reason, but that's the same way God is. You know, God is is always there if you've backslidden, if you've fallen off, if if something's happened in your life and you've kind of got off track of stuff like that. God's still always there, and yep. He's always there, and He's always going to be there. Yeah, He's, he's merciful, forgiving. Right. We don't deserve it, but He is. That's it. Yep. Yeah, we don't. Thank goodness he is, man, uh, in life, man. Thank goodness he is. Uh, so you have two siblings. I do. Is that right? So tell us about your siblings. You are the youngest of two. I'm the youngest of three. Youngest of three? Yeah. I didn't know you had three. So let's talk about that. Talking about me a little bit first, uh, I do have an older brother. So I was the youngest. I was the favorite. I'll just go ahead and say. <laughs> they usually are. The youngest are the favorites. <laughs> That's right. But uh, so the dynamic, you know, being a younger brother, having an older brother uh, was kind of pretty cool. So tell me about the dynamic with your family being the youngest of four, uh, how that was like for you. I'm sorry. You're right. I had two. You had I'm two siblings. Three total. Three total. Gotcha. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, I was basically an only child. So um, dad we worked up, we lived in Pennsylvania. That's actually where I was born. I was born in Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. And, um, moved down here when I was two. Um, my brother was 17 or 18 at the time. So we, he lived here for, I think it was like six weeks mm-hmm. or six months. I don't know. One of the time I was two, I don't remember. Uh, but he went back up to North, uh, Pennsylvania. So I never really saw my brother. Um, and then my sister, Went off to Alabama when I was six. So, I mean, she's gone. It's just me. Right. Um, so, there's a big age difference there. You know, my brother's 17, 18 years older than I am. My sister's 11 years older than I am. So, there's me. Um, so, I didn't really start to gain. Not like you. So, you're like, your brother's two years older two than years. you. Mm-hmm. Y'all are closer. Y'all grew up together. I didn't have that. Right. Um, I didn't really get to be closer to my brother and sister Amanda was around you know my sister was around uh but my brother what not until I got older you mm-hmm. know um and it's kind of one of those things like I feel like I was just like that like that brat of a kid you know spoiled little brat mm. you know didn't have much of a relationship with him but until I got older and kind of go through some life things and and things that I can actually communicate with him on and, and feel like I grow up you know I feel like okay I grew up a little bit I can talk to you now you know, right. that's kind of how it felt. Um, but Amanda's been around and I always felt like, you know, gosh, I, you know, I, I don't have any say here. Yeah. Um, but one, one day it just kind of clicked and it's like, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of normal now. I'll see them, you know, they're both busy. They're all busy. They've got families. They live, my brother lives in Georgia, you know, so we see them every, maybe two or three times a year. If that. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, the age gap is a big deal. I think people might not understand that. Uh, maturity is a big deal. I think if you look at like a, say she was 11 years older than you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you look at a, a 10 year old and a 21 year old, that's a big gap. And yeah. so, you know, you, you can't relate to her. 
You mm. know, like when no. you were 10 years old and she was 21 and at Alabama, yeah. you're like, cool, she's at Alabama. But like you have That's no, it. you've never don't have any life experience. It's hard to relate. So how did you kind of overcome that, develop those relationships as you got older, you said, through maturity and all that? What was that experience like for you? Yeah, basically, you know, it's really just the struggles. Yeah. You know, it's the decisions you make in life. I think that plays a big part of it. And I think decisions, I think even good or bad, it, it kind of brings you closer together because sure. at that point you can, you can go to them, you know? So like I've, I've been through some stuff, you know, they're going through some stuff or, you know, my brother might be. So at that time he's like, Hey, you know, what did I'm going through this? I know you've gone through it. What did you do? Mm-hmm. You know? And once you can start talking about that stuff and you get through it, then, you know, that's how you start building a relationship. I never had that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I wanted it so bad. Yeah. You know, I wanted, you know, when I, when I found out my dad was like, you know, I want to have two more kids. And I was like, you should, why didn't you, you know, I yeah. want you know, do something. I'm the only kid here. Um, but yeah, unfortunately it just had to do with, you know, going through crap, you mm-hmm. know, you go through the hard time. That's kind of when it happens. And it's through like, the fire you get experience, man. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, my mom, she, uh, she talked about having a third child, one of the girl that been pretty interesting. Have a little sister, man. Yeah. I think that would have been cool just to take care of her, protect her and stuff. Would have loved that, man. I just want a brother. Yeah. I want to fight. I yeah. Want, I want to fight with a brother. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Me and my bro, uh, we had a few, uh, not, not fist fights necessarily, but, uh, yeah, we, we had a few, it was fun though. It's all out of love, man. I mean, me and my brother were just pretty different. Uh, great guy, great man uh, of Christ and everything, but just a little different. So those sibling dynamics were uh, pretty different. We already touched a little bit on this, your Christian walk. Kind of grown up in a Christian household. Um, I was saved at eight years old. I feel like I had a pretty good understanding of Christ. Got baptized at eight years old as well. My life, I'm 31 now. You know, up ups and downs, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of uh, fell off a little bit. Came back. What was kind of your journey through Christ? You grew. We grew up in church together. Uh, yeah. When were you saved? What's your experience been like in your life? Uh, I was saved when I was nine. And then I rededicated when I was 18. Okay. Um, was that a, like a disciple now thing or or what was the reasoning behind that? 18 was a disciple now thing. Okay. You know, I think that's one of those. Um, nine was just, I don't know. I think, I, I think me and my, my parents had just talked about it and we had the, uh, I don't know. I remember like slightly with the, when the preacher came over on Jerry Ray. Yeah, Jerry Ray. Jerry I Ray, loved him. He loved came him. over, and um, he was talking to me, and, I was, and he he's like, "Well, you know, what do you want to do this for?" And I was like, "I just want Jesus in my heart. I just yeah. want Jesus in my heart." And I remember him laughing at me, and he was like, "Well, I know that, but why? You know why?" And um, and then I, you know, from nine to eighteen, you know, it, it's just been it's a world when you get so you get so sucked into the world and you get, you know, all through all your things, you know, of life and, and just, you know, you lose your concentration on it. You kind of, it kind of drifts on you. Um, 18 was a disciple now thing. And I was like, man, I, I haven't done anything. Like I hadn't lived for him never nothing. You know, it's like, what have, what have I done? I, I, I remember sitting there and I was like, what have I done? You know, to, to glorify him from nine to now. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I can't think of anything, mm. you know, I can't think of much. That's right. I go to church, but it's like, like, have I done, like you get to that point where you're like, even now you're like, have I done what, like, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just, I don't know. It's just been a, that Christian walk is sometimes it's, 
sometimes it feels like you're you're up there and then once you then sometimes you just feel like man this is just well people in the bible all throughout it's, it's, it's a journey man it's, it's life you know ups and downs and those all that. hills and those valleys are some low. people ask where is god you know they feel so alone and stuff mm-hmm. like that that's real you know i got saved at eight you were saved at nine do you feel like kids really have a grasp of the decision that they're making i talked to another guy on the podcast and he said that um he didn't believe at the time when he did get saved when he was younger that he really understood what was happening. Do you feel like you understood the gravity of the situation then, or do you feel like, you know, once you rededicated your life, you more felt it? I think kids are innocent. I think kids are innocent and they, they don't really understand what's happening sometimes. Yeah. I mean, there yeah. are kids sometimes I feel like, man, that like that kid knows what they're doing. You sure. know, that kid knows he's, you know, you know, I have, I've seen kids that are, you know, six, seven, eight years old, nine years old, who are hands up praising, giving everything they got. And it's just them. There's nobody else around to, you know, to copy. I feel even as teenagers, as, as young adults, you know, college youth or whatever it is, I feel like it's really important to surround yourself with those who, who are all in. Yeah. I feel like I feel like a lot of times people are just doing it just because, you know, I feel like it's a trendy thing. It is. It's like, oh, you're getting saved. I'm gonna go with you. But like you've been really focused, but I'm going because you're going. And and then you see these kids that are, you know, out the next week and they're like. You're acting like that. Did not I just see you get baptized last week? Right. He's like. Well, help me understand this for a little bit. Yeah. And we're not perfect, but we do change as, no. as we become saved. I agree with you on that. You know, your focus is on your side. You're looking at your your fellow man rather than looking above, looking yeah. at God. Yeah. Like you said, the person beside you is looking at God, but then you are looking at your side and be like, oh, I see what they're doing. You're not even focused on the true reason of why you're doing it. I think that is common. You know, uh, trends, especially now, we go back to social media and stuff like that. You know, uh, baptisms being posted, all everybody kind of wants to be recognized, and I get it. That's great if it's sincere, if it really happens, and all that. That's great, but I think you need to to understand that uh, from a perspective and make sure it's sincere. Yeah, I think I think about this quite often. You know, I think about when I was younger, because I remember that feeling of like when you, when you know the preacher's done with the message and ask you to come down to the front, you know, whether you're at the South now, whatever you're doing, like, yeah. you know, you know, give your life, you know, you, you remember the feeling of just like that, that, that pull. It's a pull. And you're yeah. just, you're just resisting it. And it's like, at the time I was like, Oh God, I'm, I'm, I'm so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do that. I'm getting made fun of, but now mm-hmm. I've been safe since I was nine years old. What are people going to think? Yeah. What are people going to think that they're, they are, they think that I haven't been saved this whole time. All those thoughts. I'm sure. Yeah. Go through and, your head. and then like later in life, I realized I was like, that's just, God just being like, hey, the door's open. Follow me. Let's go, man. Follow like, me. Like, get your butt out of the pew and let's go. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's, and uh, I wish that I had listened to that as a young kid. Yeah. Because I feel like listening to that, you know, I would have, you know, it would have made an impact on my life. It would, mm-hmm. I would have maybe not made some of the decisions that I made or, you know, but, you know, but now I'm here and I still get the feeling when I'm in church and I still, there's still times where it's like, I feel like I'm resisting. And then sometimes it's just like, all right, you know, hands out, let's go. That's it. Just That's go all it. in. Well, that pool is real. Um, I think, you know, if you're a Christian or before you're a Christian, that pool is, is something that's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. How would you explain it to somebody that, 
isn't religious, doesn't have a relationship with Christ, hasn't really experienced that. Uh, can you put that into words? Do you feel like you could? About Christianity and that pull? About the pull. Just the feeling of the, of the Spirit leading you to either, you know, praise or, or how to be saved. You know? I think, you know, I think, you know, you, you listen to the message of what it is. You know, yeah. I know, I know, you know, if going the, I really felt it when I went to like Church of the Highlands, you yeah. know, and and that's one thing. Seriously, I'm not talking to you. So, <laughs> but um, you know, there, I know that that church is more like it's a lot about relationship building. Um, but I remember the first time that I went there, I was like, man, this is a culture shock. Yeah. Um. But then there were times where, you know, I felt that, you know, after the message, it's like, I, I feel it. I feel what you want me to do, but I just can't do it, you know, kind of deal. And then when I, the, you know, the, from that moment where I just opened my hands and just accept it and just like not care what people think around me, yeah, you know, it is like a weight that's lifted off of your shoulders and off your chest and you feel like a ton of bricks is gone. Um, but you got to keep it up. That's right. Right. It's, it's like you don't want to get. But it's not through us. It's through God. And I it think is. a lot of people it kind of make it like I have to do all this. When you follow God, when you follow Christ, he puts that desire in you. Yeah. You know, exactly. your life will align. Mm-hmm. We can't do it alone. We're sinful people. You know, well, I are. still sin every day. We yep. all do. Yep. Uh, we ask for forgiveness. We ask God for guidance. We do. Uh, and we do that. Now, Church of the Highlands. I'm glad you mentioned that. Great place. Awesome place. We grew up Baptist. We did. So I went to Church of the Highlands, too. And the first time I went there, people raising their hands, jumping, shouting. You know, I'm used to sitting there with my hands. <laughs> and yeah. all that. What was it like to you? You described it as culture shock. Kind of explain your whole experience going from a Baptist church to non-denominational where they praise like that. Uh, it was absolutely just that. It was like, man, what have I walked into? Yeah. What have I done? And I was like, what is, is that a screen? Where's the preacher? He's, he's not the preacher. You know, it's like, right. so, you know, it's like the satellite campuses and all that. But, you know, it's just one of those things where I'm like, I'm just going to have to get used to this. Yeah. Um, You're right. Sitting in the pew, you're quiet. You stand up, you sit down. You stand up, you sit down. Right. And then the choir sings their song. And then, but here it's like, no, we're standing up the entire time. Yeah. Um. Loud speakers, man. Loud speakers, friendly. Used to just an organ. <laughs> like you, yeah. You walk into the church, and the Baptist is like, "Hey, good morning," shaking the hand. That's yeah. it. They hear they like grab you, pull you in, give you hugs, and it's like, oh, I don't know you, fan for Jack. So right. it's like everyone's touching you and giving you hugs, but like you build those relationships with those people, and you realize how good the people really are. That's right. Um, and then you go back to those Baptist churches, and it's like. Some of them. Sometimes. Sometimes. So I like, go to a Baptist church now. It's great. But it, and in Baptist churches kind of do get a bad rap sometimes. And I think they do uh, for a lot Baptist. of different reasons. Yeah, for a lot of different reasons. But what I really focus on is what is the church doing as a whole? Yeah. You know, are we focused on God? Are we focused on people? What are we focused on? You know, yeah. are we yeah. being mission minded? You know, are we taking care of uh, widows and orphans? The Bible talks about that. What are we mm-hmm. doing with our, our tithings? You know, um, and just the overall, you know, uh, mood of everybody there. It matters for sure. It does. Church of the Highlands is a great church, man. Yeah, it, it really is. is. It, it really is. It's nice. So you go there now? I kind of go back and forth. I mean, I've actually gone back to Southside Baptist. For okay. Bit, you know? so, yeah. It's a good church, man. Uh, I go to Meadowbrook now, Rainbow City. Good church. I need to come visit with Good you. pastor. It's a good place. 
Awesome, man. Thank you for sharing that, being vulnerable, uh, being open, sharing your faith, man. Yeah, I, know man. That's, I know that's a lot. I appreciate yeah, it. Sure. Uh, we went and ate at El Tapatio the other night. So this kind of brought up this topic. We barely hardly talk, I feel like. And I think men as a whole, you have so many friends, you have so many people, and they're like, we got to get together, man. We got to get together. It never happens. Mm-hmm. I think everybody can relate to that. So, but too. we set out a time. We're like, we're going to start doing this monthly, bi-weekly, something to have a brotherhood together to support each other, Gotta hold each it. other accountable. Yep. What would you say uh, if somebody was going to do that? You know, how do you approach that? I kind of approached you or we approached each other kind of like, let's do that. Yep. Talk about life's problems, help each other, support each other. I think that's super important to men uh, to do in general. Absolutely. So how important do you think that is? Very. Yeah, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You got to have something. You got to have somebody to talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there, there's a couple of guys that I that I call up and say, "Hey, let's go eat." You know, call you up, let's go eat. Um, this is nice, man. You get, you know, you get older. It's hard to make friends. It is. It's so hard to make friends, and but it's um, you just can't turn out a good Mexican meal with uh, with with the bros. Hard to know? beat. It's just it's hard. Hard to beat. But yeah, just being there for each other, man. Supporting brothers. Um. So important, man. Even people marry kids, everything gets in the way, just like we talked about not having time for fitness. Yeah. You got to make some kind of time being around your brothers, man. You got to do it. You, you spend so much time when you're married or if you have a girlfriend or whatever it is, you know, you you kind of spend so much time with them that eventually, not saying all the time, but mm-hmm. you're going to have to vent. You yeah. know, you're going to have to vent. You're going to have to go through stuff that's, you know, the struggles of your life and and whatnot, because, you know, you just can't get that through someone that you see every single day. You right. Know? And some people may, you know, some people, you know, but it's one of those things where you just need, you, know, you might love your girlfriend and your wife so much and talk to them about everything. Right. Sure. But you got to have a guy like you got to you know, look, I, I love you, but, you know, I got to go out my friends tonight. We're going to talk, going through some stuff. He's going through some stuff, whatever he wants to, you know, go, you know, grab a bite to eat something. But, you know. Because it's just some things that just a guy understands. Well, as iron sharpens iron, a brother yeah, sharpens a brother. That's right. You know, I've referenced that probably in every single podcast I've done thus far. But it's true. Um, you know, our relationship with our wife, with our significant other, who that whoever that may be, they have a place. You have to lean on each other. You have to develop a great relationship and all that. But as far as men go, and I feel like women need the same. Women need to speak with other women, help support yep. each other and everything else. You don't just air out your laundry to all these guys, but have a group of guys that when you're going through something, you can be vulnerable with them. Yeah. Vulnerability equals healing. It you does. have to be able to be vulnerable to people. Yeah. If you hold stuff in, the analogy guy I watch on uh, on Instagram, I can't actually think of his name. I might look it up in a second. Um, but he, he describes it as ping pong balls inside of a pool. You're in a pool, you grab one, you hold it underwater, grab another one, hold it underwater. Keep doing that eventually they're all going to burst yeah. and that's the way your life is. You can't, you can hold, take all this trauma. You can take all this stuff happening in your life. Eventually it's going to explode. You can't hold that in. You got to have guys around you to support you. Like you said, to vent to, you've got to have people in your life that help you. Absolutely, man. This isn't important. It's important. Yeah, it's it healthy. Is. It's healthy. Venting is healthy. It is. Talking about your problems is healthy. Yeah. And I, I think men kind of under underestimate that. I think it's a and pride I, thing. It, it is. I agree with that. Yeah. I think it is pride. We don't want to be vulnerable because yeah. it's like we don't want to be real. Everybody deals with problems. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. We all have stuff. 
Um, but through vulnerability, like I said, comes healing. When you're able to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. I need y'all's help. You know, I need to be able to call you. Can I depend on you? If mm-hmm. I'm about to break down, I need somebody, you know? Yeah. There's no shame in that. And no, I think I think there needs to be a revelation among men that we support each other in times of need when times are tough. Uh, it's needed from everybody. I know I've been in tough times myself, and I didn't really have anybody. Some of the darkest times, I would say, in my life, um, and I got through with yep. the help of the Lord, family, and stuff like that. But I needed brothers around me. I needed people there. Um, didn't always have that. So I think having that, building that, We've kind of reconnected over the past year or two, stuff like that. Having people that you can lean on in times of, of hardship is very, very important. Yep, it is. Yeah. Speaking of that, LTAP, a couple, we'll go soon. Absolutely. I need, we'll some, fa- I need some fajitas. <laughs> I need some fajitas. So emotional intelligence. I wrote this down. I'm a big proponent of emotional intelligence. Um, And, you know, being in tune with your emotions. So uh, kind of my journey, uh, I talked about on the last podcast with Logan Johnson dealt with anger in the past, um, unable to control things. In general, learn this from Dr. Deloney as well, the YouTube guy I referenced earlier. Anger comes out in men because we don't know what emotions are like, right? Yeah. Uh, we feel things. Uh, it could be embarrassment. It could be uh, being tired. It could be a multitude of things, but it comes out in anger for us because we try to hold it in, not really express it, and that's how it comes out. Mm-hmm. So I've been on a journey myself over the past couple of years, um, mainly watching Dr. Deloney doing therapy myself to be able to understand what emotions are uh, truly, how to understand it, what to look for uh, whenever I start to get angry, kind of reevaluate, just sit for a second. What is this? What is this really coming from? Um, so how have your emotions grown? I know from even being a teenager since we were last kind of closer till now, there's been a lot of growth in your life and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. What is emotional intelligence for you like? It's kind of along the same lines, honestly, mm-hmm. you know, dealing with the frustration, dealing with anger. I honestly think that I, you do a lot of stress every day. I do a lot of stress every day, Yeah, you know, but it's, it's different in the workplace than it is outside. You know, mm-hmm. I do it. I feel like I'm more expressive of my emotions outside of the workplace in, in the workplace. I'm very, I feel like I'm very patient, mm. you know, I'm patient. I don't let things anger me. Mm-hmm. I don't love things, but I hate that because I feel like it just builds up and kind of lets out sometimes. It does. And it can. Interesting, interesting topic. I'm a nurse practitioner, kind of established that before. And I see patients and stuff like that. They have problems. So they're putting problems on me. And I think a lot of clinicians, we take that home with us, man. I know I've worked at ER emergency medicine for six, seven years. And there are stories I still remember because it impacted me so greatly. What for you? You know, you said you deal with these difficult situations. How do you kind of uh, digest that, separate it apart, and say, this is work, this is real life, this is not going to affect me emotionally? That I went through a trouble time with that, too, in my 20s. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, everyone's calling me from work. I got to keep doing this. I got to keep going. My phone rang, I'm answering it. Yeah. That's how it was. I was trying to make sure it was perfect. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where it just it puts you in this state of just like, oh, my gosh. Like I'm killing myself here and I feel mm-hmm. depressed and anxious. And it's like, this is, I'm not, I, I don't know what I'm doing here, you know? So it gets to the point where it's like, you see and you grow and you're like that I used to do. And I used to focus on that point and I used to make sure I attack it and it wasn't really worth it. Once I got out of work, you know, if mm-hmm. I, that'll be there tomorrow, this will be there tomorrow. You know, it's, 
So finally, I was like, once I leave work, unless it's not like some crazy emergency or something, I'm just going to shut it off, you know? Yeah. And I, I got a, I got a, about a 25, 30 minute ride home. Um, if, if it's a good day, windows are down, I'm going to play some music. If it's a bad day, and I'm going to play some heavy music, something like that, or I'm not going to play any music at all. Yeah. Which means it's probably been a really terrible day. Medical is tough. You know, I'm not on call at my job, but a yeah. lot of people are from the hospital, work 12 hour shifts, four days a week, maybe. And yeah. then they're on call on top of that. It's tough, man. Uh, you have to build a, a non anxious life um, and do that as much as you can. I know with work and stuff like that, it's hard to do. But, uh, man, I mean, you can really take stuff home and it can really affect you. And not only just affect you, it's going to affect your relationship with your wife, it's going to affect your relationship with your children. Um, you got to find a way to decompose that, man. De-stress that. Yep. I think the gym has helped me a lot with that. We talk about just de- just uh, resistance, stuff yes. being difficult, man. Yep. It just kind of takes that away and say, you know, those problems aren't that bad. Yep. You know, uh, it kind of definitely has helped. You got to find you got to find your your whatever decompresses you. Right. You know. Right. In, in a healthy way. In a healthy way. That's right. <laughs> yeah, in a healthy way. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of people. That's just how it is. Alcohol, whatever else. Um. People are trying to find a way out. They're trying to find a way out. They're so stressed. They're so anxious, depressed, whatever. They can't take it. In the world today, it demands so much, you know, especially for men, I feel yeah. like. Yeah. Um, and that's why I think a lot of people go to that. It's sad, but that's just the truth. I have an understanding of it. I have a heart for people like that because I get it. You know, I've never done that myself, mm-hmm. but I understand. I understand. I've seen people in emergency medicine that are just at rock bottom, you know, good people. They're good people, yeah. Um, but they they got into drugs, they got into alcohol, uh, they they did something to their body, and it's not because they just like it. I don't think because they want to do it. They're trying to escape. Life has hit them so so difficultly, uh, difficultly, uh, so hard, you know. And uh, I really have a heart for people like that, man. It all comes back to that. If you judge people for that, I think that's wrong, man. Because we're one decision away from destroying our life mm-hmm. we all are yep. and they had a weak moment they did it and it's terrible uh but we can't judge them for that because we're all just one decision away as well yeah yep. yeah uh awesome man emotional intelligence so travel for work going back to the work thing you traveled a little bit for work what was that like best cities to be in uh what was different cities like for you it was, man I, I miss it I miss. It. I don't get to travel as much as I used to, but I I really went to uh there for about three or four years. I was going all over. I you know I went to to California a good bit. San Diego is one of the places. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved San Diego. Boston was another one. I got to go to Boston. Went up there. Um, got my hotel and I was like, I gotta find something to do. Yeah, you know. I think it was actually the second day. Um, I walked the first day. I walked. I think it was like seventeen miles. I just walked the city. Wow. I went everywhere, you know, I could have Ubered, but I just walked. I wanted to walk. Um, second day, I was like, I got to find something to do. And um, I pulled up the baseball schedule and I saw the Yankees were in town. I was no like, way. man, we are going to Fenway. So I went to Fenway, um, but I went to California a few times. Boston, uh, Toronto was kind of, was really cool. Went up oh, there wow. for a, uh, for a trip to, um, and then other than that, I mean, that was, that's California, I think I went about six or seven times to California for that. So I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. I liked it. It was out there on the coast. You know, I always had a hotel that was that overlooked 
uh, the ocean, but uh, you know, he has some seals and stuff out there in the mornings just squawking. So they're waking you up pretty early, but sure. I loved it. I loved it. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. I did uh travel nursing from right before COVID. It was like perfect timing. 2019. I started travel nursing. Then COVID hit and it just exploded uh, tra- the travel nursing experience. But, uh, you know, went to Georgia, went to Tampa, Florida, Tampa, Florida in my, in the hospital at Tampa, I was on the eighth floor. You could see in Tampa Bay Buccaneers Stadium. It oh, was nice. like right there. That oh, was pretty, yeah, and that was when Brady was there. Okay. Yeah. Heck yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, that was pretty cool. It wasn't during the football season, but very, very cool experience. Uh, but travel for work's good, man. Very, very good experiences. Yeah. So, what was the best place you've been to? I went to New York too, but okay. I mean, I've been to New York a couple times. It's okay. It's crowded. It's um, very crowded. I, I was probably gonna be San Diego or Boston. Mm-hmm. It's a close. Yeah, I think San Diego, just because Boston was. I mean, Boston, the, the food was good. A little cold. Uh, or did you go kind of during summertime? I went in August. Okay, so it, it, was, it wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah. No, it was chilly because I remember I bought a hoodie. It was kind of chilly up in there. August. That's so hot. Yeah, it's it was kind of right cold now, at the crazy. time. I don't know why, but it was for that time up there. I think it was kind of rainy on a couple of days, but it was kind of chilly. San Diego was probably the best place I went to. Yeah. I mean, 75 degrees at no humidity. It was just, I mean, it was perfect out there. I loved awesome. it. Awesome. Awesome. I dude. loved it. That's great. Well, we're getting close to the end. We're about to wrap it up. Uh, so I kind of close with this. Uh, one of the final questions. Going forward in your life, what it's looking like right now, 5, 10, 20-year plan. So start with five years from now. What's the vision look like? Where are you going to be? What you doing? <sighs> that. You know, that's a tough one. Um, I want to say five years, I, you know, I've been thinking about lately is where am I going to be at as far as my job? Yeah. You know, I love where I work. Um, you know, what's the growth look like? Um, so it's got to kind of make some changes um, on where, you know, on what team I'm on or, you know, what department, whatever it is. But, you know, I'd like to I want to keep progressing, um, you know, five years. I'd like to be, you know, back to debt free, um, you know maybe have some sort of manager experience out there. Um, but then that's, I don't know. I don't know. That's a tough one. Yeah. Debt free, man. That's, that's huge. I feel like um, there's so much stuff going on right now that, that it's hard to even you, imagine. I can't really here. sit there. I, I, I guess to be honest with you, I hadn't sat there and thought five, 10, 15, 20 years from now, 20, well, 20 years, let's see, 33, 20 years from now, I'll be close to retirement. Yeah. I'm not going to retire at 55 though. Yeah, can't really afford that now. Having kids, man, working, moving parts is hard to it's hard to predict. It really is. It really is. It's it's tough. But you know, I would say this: in five or ten years, you know, debt free. But just in those time frames, ten, say ten years from now, ten years I'll be forty three years old. Mm-hmm. You know, that's still kind of young, right? I sure. think so. In those ten years, I want to experience. I want to. I want to go. I want to live a life. You have one life. Have one life and I want to live it to the fullest. You mm. know, I want to get on track with, with as far as being my spiritual, my, my religious life and, and, um, and get closer to God. But I want to, I want to live and experience what's out there. You know, I'm not like a business trip, but like create the opportunity is right. what I want. You know, uh, I don't want to be, I don't just want to sit there at a nine to five, just typing away. Like yeah. I want to, I want to find the opportunity, whatever that is. So mm-hmm. it's going to take a, it's going to take a lot of risks and a lot of, a lot of patience, a lot of praying, but like, I think it's there. Um, whatever it is, I feel like, I feel, I, my, my belief is that, um, whenever God's timing is right, it's going to happen. You know, I right. don't force it. 
I feel like I've tried to force things in the past and it just, thank God they didn't work out. That's it. You know, but like, I'm just being patient with it and just Mm -hmm. taking one day at a time right now. Yeah. Well, that's it, man. Uh, Go uh, expanding on that a little bit. Thank goodness it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, man. That that's with a lot of phases of life, especially when you're like 20 years old. You're like, I got this. Yeah, I, I see this plan. I see what, I, and it's like, it, I wouldn't say completely different, but it's very much so different than what I had envisioned. It is. You have a vision, and some people are really good at this if y'all have it. But it's like if you you know five ten, and sometimes I feel like cops so unorganized with my life. But yeah. like that's just I think that's just natural. Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh man, I feel terrible when I have a 5, 10, 15, 20 year plan. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously in 20 years, I want to have my retirement. I got, I got stuff feeding into retirement. Right sure. Now. You know, so as long as that's happening, you know, and what I'm doing, I'm good. But like five years, 10 years, like I've got kids, they're growing up. My in life, 10 years, how, how old were your kids be in, in 10, 10 years? 10 years. Cooper will 19? be 19 man. and a 16-year-old girl. That's crazy. I ain't got time, oh, to, I ain't got time to think about a 10-year plan. I'll think other. about how I'm going to prepare for that. Yeah, that's so. true. That's a good point. Good point. But, man. yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things I feel like it's going to happen. You know, um, just wait for God's timing. That's it. that's it. We have so many plans, man. Mentioned that in a previous yep. one, but God's plan prevails. You know, we can do everything we want to do, but then the day – his plan's going to do it, man. That's it. That's it. Well, dude, Kevin, I think we're about done, man. Uh, anything you want to say in the final comments? Anything you want to mention? Anything? No, it, this is fun. I enjoy it. Thanks for having me, man. This is yeah. this is great. I hope to do it again. Um, hope you guys enjoy it. It's a fun time. He's worked hard, man. This is great. Yeah. What do you think about the studio? That's beautiful. I love it, dude. It this is. is awesome. it, dude, this took like five months. <laughs> it looks really good. Four or five months. That's pretty much it, guys. Thank you so much for watching. If you are on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe to the channel. Also, click the notification bell because you're going to get every single one of my podcasts directly to you on your uh, device, whatever that may be. Also, uh, if you are on the podcast space, Amazon Music, Apple Music, we're we're on all of them. Give us a five-star review because we give five-star service. No, I love it. Thanks so much for watching, guys. Until the next one, peace.